And now, a bit of romance. Two girls on a quest to find which rom-com is the best. P.S. I love rom-coms. I love rom-coms. Hello! And welcome to PSA Love Romcoms, the podcast about the scariest thing of all. Falling in love? No. Grease 2. <laughs> it was scary bad. <laughs> um, we're your hosts. I'm Allie. And I'm Mia. Every week on PSI Love Romcoms, Allie and I, romcom experts, watch a new romcom, pull out our Ouija boards, and ask the spirits which romcom is the best romcom of all time. But since it's October and Halloween is fast approaching, we will be going one genre deeper this month and taking on the rare hybrid of rom-com horror films. Ooh, spooky <laughs> and romantic. <laughs> Joining us today is a very talented comedian, a former writer for College Humor, and a horror expert. And if he was in a rom-com, he'd be a writer who married the girl next door on Halloween, only to find out that when he brings her home to meet his two aunts, that they are serial murderers and that there's a corpse in the window. Window seat. You guys, it's the one, it's the only Luke Fields. I am the disembodied Ooh. ghost of Perry Grant. <laughs> Arsenic and Arsenic old lace. Is that a play? Am I done? Yeah. No, you're not. No, it's a, it's play, a, right? it was a really, it was a really popular play that was then made into a movie starring Cary Grant. Um, yes. Okay, I think it's like one of those ones that constantly filtered through like high school theater mm. and stuff where you're like, yes, yes I remember. <laughs> I remember. Um, Luke, we like to start off each episode with a little segment called Which Rom-Com Hero or Heroine Are You Channeling? Where we equate the experiences we've had this week with a famous rom-com hero or heroine. Um, I'll kick us off. This week, I'm channeling John Cusack's character from the 2001 rom-com Serendipity, um, where... Oh. Yes, where he like meets Kate, Beck Kate Beckinsale's character and they have like a great time and then she believes in destiny and then they're I think for the rest of the movie they're sort of like missing each other a lot. They're like sort of like mm -hmm. crossing paths and whatnot and um sort of like can't get on the same page until the end. And um that is me and my dog this week, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> I am like it's like he he wants to go to bed at like ten or eleven and then I go to bed a few hours later. And then he wants to get up at like seven in the morning and play while I still want to sleep. And then by the time I want to get up, he wants to go back to sleep and be all cuddly and cute. It's like he woke up really early and then I was like still trying to sleep through it all but he just sort of keeps coming in and out of my room and like barking at me and then um and then finally he wanted to go back to sleep but then i had to get up to do the podcast and then he just like was being so cute and like kept being on his back and sort of just looking at me being like rub my tummy and then i would, like rub his tummy and be like okay let's go and then he would just like fall asleep <laughs> but doesn't let me like leave the room like if he knows i'm leaving then he just wakes up and looks at me so we're sort of like can't get on the same page but now <laughs> but now we're both in the same room he's happily enjoying a bully stick and has his cute little paw on my hand um oh. so that's where it's now the end of the movie where we sync up it was destiny it was fate um 
on the same page on the same timeline. <laughs> so I don't know if that's like such a sad <laughs> like connection to a rom com, but that you know what I feel like. Hey, this is the life we're living right now, and it's valid. So I think yeah, it counts. Right? Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's my whole world right now, you guys. So that's that's sort of where I'm driving all my meaning. Um, so that's B. Um, Allie, who are you channeling? <laughs> um, this week, I think I'm channeling. Liz Gilbert, um, played by Julia Roberts in the <laughs> rom-com uh, Eat, Pray, Love, um, yeah. where, you know, Liz is feeling kind of lost. So she um, kind of goes on this, uh, and someone argue, and an indulgent trip where she, <laughs> you know, goes to Bali and um, Italy. And where's the last place that she goes? She eats a lot of gelato. She eats a lot of gelato. I will be so I've seen the movie and I've read the book, but I only read the eat part of the book because then I just kind of I kind of lost interest after there was no more um, food being eaten. Um, but that's just a um, a sad little sidebar. But um, I I have been doing these like kind of um like little mini eat pray loves where i've just been like i got like an annual pass to the national parks and i've just been doing like these little day trips to joshua tree um where i like it, it's only like a two-hour drive so i just like drive out there and i hike around and so i'm just kind of like instead of like eat pray love it's more like sweat hike alone eat <laughs> where i'm just like I'm going on these long hikes by myself and don't tell my mom this. She would be so terrified oh um, if she knew I'm that terrified. I was doing this. <laughs> um, and, but it's been really lovely. And I feel like, I don't know. It's just been really, really lovely. And I feel like I'm, I'm like finding myself or not finding mm -hmm. myself, but I'm just more like just appreciating myself um it's very self-indulgent and um no, that's, that's I'm having fantastic. a good time i'm having that's a awesome. good time so oh. luke who are you channeling this week all right so i had to think about this because as you know i'm the resident horror expert i'm not an expert by any means on rom-coms but the one that immediately comes to mind and the one that i think is my maybe my favorite is albert brooks in defending your life and if you've seen oh. that one, oh, um, it's a no. uh, sort of so Albert Brooks. Spoiler alert: He mm -hmm. dies in the film and goes to heaven, and oh. he it's a sort of process movie about his proving that the life he's led has led him go to heaven, or he can do life over again. And Whoa. he meets Meryl Streep up there, and Meryl oh. Streep's like. <gasps> the perfect woman he loves her and they fall in love in heaven and he looks like he's probably not going to <laughs> make it through based on the life he's led um <laughs> but the movie really touches on a lot of things about like the existential value of life and what you are like the life that you've led and looking back on it and how it matters or <laughs> you know and i think a lot of people right now are dealing with that and it's it is a sort of stark reality of being smacked in the face with your own life and and the kind that you leave and and trying to make the best of it right and yeah. making sure you leave an impact where you live um 
that has been my giant existential <laughs> brain pattern for the past six months. Oh so, um, yeah, highly suggest the movie though. It's it's much funnier than everything I just said, <laughs> and uh, it's very good. And and Meryl Streep is a dream in it. So, oh my god, that's as like. Is no. that too much? Is that no. too much? No, no. I mean, Luke, I think, I mean, it's, you're, you're right. Like this time that we're in right now is that we are, we are definitely surrounded by death. We see it in the news every day. And um, I think like finding, I mean, like being surrounded by, by death as, as a country, it does force us to focus on like, what really matters. And I think, um, I, lately I, me and I talk about how like rom-coms, you know, give us a chance to escape, but like, even to a certain extent, it's like, you can only watch so many rom-coms until it's like, okay, all right. You know, this, we are still in this, you know, reality and to think about, yeah, what is, what is important? What do I want to do with my life? And, um, that this is the, that we've been given this kind of like strange gift that we now kind of have the time to figure out what we do want to do with our mm-hmm. lives and, and to look closer at the way we've been spending our time. Yeah. And we're, and I think the three of us at least, but there's probably a lot of people who are very fortunate to have not been directly affected by what's going on. I mean, we're all unemployed and and have to change our living situation, but it could be a lot worse. Um, mm-hmm. So we have that privilege to kind of right now be like, what do I really want to do? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do I want to sit in an office all day and like look at a computer and then go home and sit on the couch and watch TV? Like that's, that's fine if you do, but this is the time we get to like decide if we want to or not. Um, so um, yeah. It's it's a deep deep hole sometimes you get in. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think it's so it's so interesting that like, I mean, this also like what we're talking about right now kind of perfectly leads into the movie that we watched this yes. week because it's that this movie is all about being faced with, yeah. um, with death and um, what you know what we do when we are faced with death and um. Uh, and when it's around us. So um, I think that's a pretty good little transition into our movie discussion. Um, So this week we watched the 2004 zombie romance comedy or zombie (laughs) Ramikami, Shaun of the Dead. Uh, And in this film, uh, Shaun, played by Simon Pegg, is a 30-something who is stuck in a rut. When he's not working at the electronics store, he and his unemployed best friend, Ed, played by Nick Frost, are at the Winchester pub. Sean's world comes tumbling down when Sean's girlfriend, Liz, played by Kate Ashfield, breaks up with him after seeing that he will never grow up. However, when the town is inexplicably overrun with zombies, Sean must rise to the occasion and become the man Liz deserves. Sean of the Dead was directed by Edgar Wright and written by Wright and stars Simon Pegg. The film drew inspiration from the television series Spaced, created by Pegg and directed by Wright, particularly an episode where Pegg's slacker character hallucinates a zombie invasion. It is the first installment in the Three Flavors Cornetto trilogy, followed by Hot Fuzz in 2007 and The World's End in 2013. 
So, yeah, what do we think of the film? Was it any of our first time seeing it? No. And no fruit. I've seen it multiple <laughs> times before, yeah. Allie, have you? I watched the first 15 minutes in college, <laughs> but was then too scared and I like left the party I was at it was like at a party somebody oh put gosh. it on and I was like I don't like horror movies and then they were like no but it's a comedy and then um right away I was like not too scary and I um I I left um so this is the first time I've watched the whole thing um but I have seen the world's end and I was like Watching Shot of the Dead, I was like, wait, have I seen this before? And I'm like, no, I'm getting it confused with The World's End. Similar um, themes. Just aliens. Yeah. yeah, similar themes. And um, it's like a pub crawl. And like aliens come and um, uh, invade this pub crawl. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Luke, what about you? Well, this movie came out when I was in college. And I was mm, 21 or 22. So the character wasn't too diff different from me, especially, you know, I think every guy has a mid 20s sad boy era. And <laughs> so I was fully in on the sad, my, my personal journey of sad boy era. So, and plus I'm like, I, as a huge horror fan, I thought that the comedy and the, and the horror was like, a, was one of the most perfect matches. Um, so yeah, I've seen this probably a dozen oh. times. <laughs> uh, <laughs> And it's good every time. Yeah. I like it every time at least. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for me, I love, I like someone who I, like, I like horror movies that I have to like know like the boundaries of a horror movie before I go into it. So it's like, for me, a horror comedy is like such a good, such a good experience um, for me because I know um, that I'm going to get some of that tension out with laughter. And yeah, this, this movie was like perfect in that for me. Um, and it was also, I remember it being yeah. scarier than it was. Maybe that's because I was young. <laughs> now I'm like, oh, this isn't scary. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I think that what it does nicely is like other comedies that are hard, you know, there's always this discussion of like comedies that are have horror elements like Ghostbusters or Elvira Mistress of the Dark, you know, uh, versus horror comedies, which are kind of treading the line between the two of them and like the horror elements in the in this are pretty horrific and gross like when spoiler alert a character dies by being ripped in half like oh my god i was not ready for that <laughs> i mean you would see that in in like a you know 28 days later night of the living dead style horror movie yeah um so they does tread that line pretty well yeah i forgot about that dave, dave i don't know if we're talking about david but david's death did destroy me <laughs> yeah. <I was> like, <laughs> oh god that was hit. the one part where i was like okay i'm gonna put my i have to like do my peeking through the fingers <laughs> thing i do when a movie gets too scary um oh while we're discussing kind of like broader like rom-com and horror things um luke why do you love horror movies well i think you know there's something that's a way of experiencing fear in a safe environment um because you know the movie's going to end you know it's not real you know the monsters aren't going to like reach out and actually grab you you know and especially if they're dealing with super supernatural elements um you know i don't believe in any of that stuff so i'm not worried about a ghost living in my toilet that's going to grab my butt when I go to the bathroom or, you know, like something <laughs> like that. Um, but, you know, I think also there are in some ways a reflection of 
what my worldview a little bit, um, which maybe is a little pessimistic or or bleak. But you know, I think that the things that are in a horror movie aren't nearly as terrible and horrific as the things that are like happening in the world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it is almost like an escape for me from the real world, but also kind of confirms uh, my personal worldview, um, which is, you know, things are screwed up. Things are messed up. There's a lot of really bad things going on all the time. And this is sort of, again, a controlled environment for me to experience that and maybe even help process how I feel about that kind of stuff. Um, That's like the very, like, haughty educational way to think about it. But I also just (laughs) love, like, guts. (laughs) Like, (laughs) bloody guts and, like, cool things happening and people getting revenge and, like, that kind of stuff is very cathartic to me. So I also had that in um, this movie, that moment of... um, because I really like this movie, and I did think it was an escape. But we, but we had this. We also watched Warm Bodies for the series, and when, um, when mm-hmm. Sean's like going about his day, and like the zombie plague is slowly setting in, it's like I did get that like COVID vibe when it was like when we were yes. like hearing about it when it was far away, and, and like everyone sort of like was like moving about their business, and then, um, but yeah, that was the only time this movie like felt like too real to me. It was like as he's slowly going about the day, and it's like kind of on the news, and he's like kind of like almost realizing it's happening, but then it's like no, never mind. Yeah, I mean that that no, never mind is so poignant right now because the and there's so many shots of him and like and people um, going going through their daily lives without really recognizing the people around them or acknowledging anyone. You know, and it's very easy to sort of get into that bubble. I think it also bears mention too is that like Edgar Wright is is from the Quentin Tarantino sort of film oh. camp where he's like a total fanboy. So a lot of the stuff that's happening in this movie are direct or indirect references to a lot of other films. Even in the title, Shaun of the Dead is a reference to Dawn of the Dead, which is like the pinnacle of what's considered like the zombie horror yeah. film. Uh, that came out in the 70s, directed by George Romero. So there's like a lot of little nods to it and more even overt nods where he's like taking music from the film, um, direct lines from the film, um, even like small like plot devices of like people hold, held up in, the, in a mall versus a bar. You know, it's just, it's a little more of a modern relationship-based skew on the whole story. So it's, uh, it does a great job of, of doing that, I think, you know, and it isn't too distracting even from someone who I feel like I've seen all those movies. So, but it, at the same time, it does feel like fresh and new, you know, George Romero was ever going to do a choreographed zombie fight to a oh queen song. <laughs> I know. I, I loved that, that moment where, um, so like Sean and his, his friends have made it to like the Winchester pub and, uh, like the zombie bar owner is like they discover that he's still in the bar and then they all grab those cues those pool cues and and the the queen song comes on and it's like they do this kind of weird kind of like like beating the zombie to like a musical (laughs) beat that i thought was very like fun and whimsical where it's like smack 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 and like it's it's funny because you're like, you know, you probably should just impale him. Um, that would definitely be more effective than this like rhythmic like beating of him with pool sticks. Um, but um, I loved I loved that little moment of um, yeah. 
of, it's very fun. of dancing humor. I want to get into like a little bit of um, uh, Sean and Liz's relationship. Yes. Yes. The the rom of this um, zombie Ramikami. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, it's I. So uh, the dynamic of their relationship is, I'll be honest, not one of my favorite rom-com dynamics which is that of like um like woman asking guy to step up um it 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 has kind of a um i mean it is in the early 2000s but it has kind of like um yeah that judd apatow vibe of like here's like a slacker guy who has like a funny cool like slacker friend um and here's like the uptight woman who's asking him to get his life together um honestly she is right (laughs) yeah watching it this time now from this perspective as like a mid to late 30 or 30s person i was just like yeah what the fuck are you doing sean get your shit together (laughs) yeah he's 29 like even at 29, I feel like that's too old. Yeah. And I understand it's like if you have a passion, so you're like not moving forward because you have a passion that's like, you know, not putting you on track to like be like a traditional successful person. But yeah, he's, yeah, it's like he's working at a store with like teenagers. And I think that's, you guys brought up space too. I don't know if you've seen that, but like, I think that's something that that series does that this film kind of is almost missing is like, that is a great example of young, like mid 20s artists lives like uh, probably that we've all experienced as as like people pursuing acting and writing is you know you want to do both at the same time you have to live versus you have to create you know the 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 intersection of commerce and art almost never (laughs) overlaps unless you're making a marvel movie Um, (laughs) and that's arguable uh you know, so it, it, I think that show captured that really well, where this is just kind of like, well, just get your shit together, dude. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think at least like Liz's character, at least is like she's she's a little bit understanding. Like, I feel like she's not sometimes with like that, like role with women and like I'm thinking about like, I love you, man. The character um, that Rashida Jones plays is like trade is like an uptight, you know, wife who's like jealous of her husband for having friends and stuff which is kind of like okay um but at least with like liz like i feel like she's not she's not completely stereotypical like what she's asking is not like uh, crazy like she's like hey stop smoking and also maybe we could go to a restaurant sometime i checked in Um, three times to make sure it was cool we went to that restaurant and then it does so it's not even she's like i said i wanted to go and we didn't go she's like i checked in multiple times the day of to make sure this was still okay and then it doesn't happen yeah i tracked you down i called your work i caught yeah like all that stuff you know i mean she's on a maturity level and this is probably the case in most of these like movies and she's on a maturity level that is beyond him at this moment you know yeah it stuck out a lot to me this time through same and i think it's like he does obviously like, i love how the movie is like sort of this like perfect setup for him to like grow and sh- and i do love that there's like this whole justification where the stepdad is like i did love you i just thought you always needed the motivation to like do well and that like the yeah. motivation does make sean into the guy um that like liz needs yeah but i kind of felt even though he fails miserably yes, at it. Yes, and then everyone's like, yeah, it's like everybody dies. And then they, 
they still go to the Winchester. And then I kind of, I didn't know. I mean, tell me if I'm wrong. I thought by the end that I was kind of like, well, I think Sean kind of got everything he wanted. And I, I don't know if like Liz did. Cause I think by the end they're kind of like having. That was yeah. a big question I had. And I wanted to ask for yeah. your perspective as, as rom-com aficionados is like the end did feel to me like she, I don't know. I wanted to hear her perspective of like why she's okay with basically living the life that he was living beforehand. You know, maybe when presented with this like end of the world scenario, it makes you kind of be like, well, like just appreciate the simple things in life. But he does kind of win, you know. Yeah. He still has a friend in the in 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 the the shed that he gets to go play video games with, you know. Uh, So it's like he gets it all. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It it definitely felt like Liz was settled like you see like if we're if we're mapping like liz's character arc it's she asks sean like hey i i would love for us to maybe go on trips i would love for us to maybe go on nice dates every now and then and um nothing crazy and then um the zombie apocalypse happens and then um she's like you know sean you know, tries to save her and her friends' lives, but then everybody kind of dies except for them. Um, and then he's like, hey, she's like, okay, you know what? I'll smoke again with you, Sean. And then, oh, you know what? I'm okay with just going to the pub. And so it seems like she, her arc is that she compromises for, um, you know, kind of what Sean wants. Yeah. At the same time, like, it seems like his arc is she, he's tries to make plans <laughs> and it's like, okay, he failed at making plans at the beginning to go to the restaurant, but now he's making the plan to try to save their lives. Um, so like he does, he does have some growth, but maybe not as much as I, I from a rom-com perspective, not as much as I would like to see. This film definitely shines more in the, um, the comedy and the horror aspects than I feel like it does in the, yes. um, romantic aspects maybe three Um, things three genres is too many (laughs) (laughs) maybe it's just too many well that's what we've been talking about is like with our other zombie rom-com film um warm bodies the the horror kind of suffered like it was definitely more romance and comedy but the 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 horror took a hit it wasn't that scary Almost nobody died. But then, uh, famed thriller rom-com, so I married an axe murderer, for me, it's all of the... It's a perfect balance of all. (laughs) (laughs) It's got it all. It's got an actor playing multiple roles. It's got... You know what this did make me think, though, is that, like, the relationship between Liz and Sean does remind me kind of of like of that time sort of these like rom-coms that were coming out a bit like um it reminded me of like Knocked Up like I remember by the end of Knocked yes. Up yeah. when Catherine Heigl was like who knew that the guy who got me pregnant would be the guy for me and I just remember being like I don't think that's the guy for you like yeah, I just being yeah. like I think I you're settling because of your I think you're settling yeah well I think it's like lacking in the rom I still am kind of like 
I do get, I see a certain lens that I remember from that time, which is like, not like intent. I don't think it's like intentionally mean or anything. I think just like sometimes that like this happens when like genres are dominated by like one specific identity group, but where it's just like, you know, it's like, we say the right thing, but in the end it's like, am I right guys? Like, <laughs> like, she'll, well, she'll calm down. It's such a strong male perspective yeah. too, of like a man gets to, fuck around and do whatever he wants. Are we yeah. like curse? Because I've cursed several times. Oh, okay. yeah. yeah. The man gets to like screw around and have fun and do whatever he wants and then everything works out for him at the end and he kind of learns a lesson. Yeah. But he basically just like starts acting like a normal human being. Totally. <laughs> and that's the lesson. So like we're, we're applauding behavior that is, you know, base minimum kind of behavior. Yeah. And it's like, well, does that person need, I mean, that's growth, good for you, but it's also like, (laughs) that's not how it works in the real world, I think, you know, where you got to be doing that just normal. Yeah. Yeah. And it's hard sometimes, I get it, but come on. Yeah. And I do think like in its time, it's like that is considered sort of like funny and edgy and like, oh my God, he, he learned, but he didn't. And like, that's the, like, that's so funny. And I think now it's like looking back, you're kind of like, wow, we had a lot of stories like that. Like that is like, and I think it's more of like, it was like, like, it's so, it's so interesting to see stuff like out of our time context. And you're like, oh, at the time that was considered sort of like cutting edge and funny. And and then I think you just see that so many times you're like, okay, yeah. Like, all of these genres sort of move to have like more inclusive points of views. And you're like, I don't know what, like, yeah. Uh, yeah. We like to see a different, a different take, but it didn't totally bother me or anything, yeah. but it does. It, this is an argument in favor of it being like, could see that it does have these like rom-com connections that are of its time. For sure. Yeah. I mean that it, we've just, you know, just made it seem like maybe we didn't like the movie. I love yes. the movie. I think it's a lot Same. of fun, you know, but I think it's again, it is a time capsule totally. <laughs> and some some places like there's definitely some jokes in it where I'm like, oh, that doesn't even hold up even by 20, 2004 yeah. standards. Um, yeah. But then there are some also like classic jokes where it's like, oh, my God, this is so hilarious. Like where Ed and um, Sean are like literally going through their uh, <laughs> records yes. and while two zombies are like slowly coming to attack them and they're like, okay, what record should we throw at the zombies? And it's like mm-hmm. this kind of like very funny moment where it's like uh, their juxtaposition of like, oh, your imminent doom is coming, but also like, is this a good, should I throw the Batman soundtrack? Is yeah. very, very funny. I think you made a wrong choice with Batman soundtrack. You should have <laughs> One of my favorite jokes in the whole thing is it's very small, but like when he has, so he has that like long take where he walks from his apartment to the shop and back. Yeah. And there's the first one, which is normal. And then the second one, which is all screwed up. And he uh, just like doesn't notice anything. But he gets the soda, and when he's like walking back, he like slips in a puddle yeah. of blood. It's just like a very yeah. subtle, like little change to it that is like so shocking in the moment. Uh, very fun, and also when the dad turns the music off after he turns into a zombie, great oh. stuff. Yeah. Oh my god! I, my, oh my god! The <laughs> mom brought me so much joy in this movie. I love when he's like, "It's dead." he's gone. And she's like, what do you mean he's gone? And she's like, he's dead. And she's like, no, he's not. And then it comes back to him and he's a zombie. <laughs> and the child locks her on. Oh my God. That scene was so good. So yes. good. Yeah. I think they have, they specifically in their writing have such a uh, knack for cleverness yeah. 
too, like in their jokes can be so funny, but they're, I think because they're just like so clever and well set up, you know, he does a great job of like setting things up and then paying them off later in like sort of turned up the world upside down sort of version of them. Um, And you see that in like all of his movies that he does it really well. Yeah. He was definitely like a master of like setups and payoffs. Like even Mia, Mia's favorite (laughs) fart joke. It's like that fart joke is set up literally within the first 10 minutes of the movie and then is paid off almost in the last 15 minutes of the movie where the fart joke comes back (laughs) and the circumstances have vastly (laughs) changed, but it's still really, really funny. Um, And even too, like they're, Gosh, yeah, this this um this movie is laced with like setups and 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 payoffs cuz like there's that one kind of they have that one uptight roommate who's like, "Hey, you know, Ed, if you're going to act like an animal, you should go live in the shed." Oh. And then how does the movie end? But with Ed chained up like an animal in the shed where mm-hmm. Sean goes to still play video games with him. Um mm-hmm. so it's 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 really it's a really well-crafted um, comedy. And also yes. just wanted to quick um, side note, Bill Nye, who turned yeah. into a later kind of like rom-com yes. star. Um, we see him here in a serious role. Like I was, ex- yeah. I was like, Oh, there's Bill Nye. We're going to get some crazy quirky <laughs> comedy. And um, I was like, Oh no, he's just, He's just kind of playing a dad, like a stepdad um, uh, and doing a good job. But I was like, oh, he's not even like doing his like later kind of Bill Nighy weird like hand movements. Like it's very um, he's more subdued um, in this movie, which I thought was kind of um, uh, it was interesting. Yeah, he was great. And he was so funny. Like he he. He play he does it in the way like a like a Leslie Nielsen would do in like airplane where he's just playing it straight as yeah. hard as he can and it it works for the for the moment yeah. you know like when he shows up at the um at the store that he works at and yeah. it's almost like it, the way it's almost filmed is like he turns around he's like almost oh, looks like a vampire he looks very stoic and serious um yeah he was great in it I loved him in it oh uh, yeah yeah. Yeah. I loved it because this, the cast was stacked. Um, Martin Freeman had a cameo. Yeah. Uh, wait, Martin Freeman, right? Yes. Yeah, I always, I always think. Martin Freeman, yeah. Yeah. It was, yeah. I had to look this up because there's this really, I was like, I feel like I, I feel like this is an inside joke that I'm missing because there's this part in the movie where Sean has gathered all of his friends up and they're, they're heading over to the Winchester to take on this zombie apocalypse. And while Sean and um, his girlfriend and his mom and her flatmates and his flatmates are going there, they run into a group of other, like five other people. Um, And we're not really explained how he knows them, um, but it's clear that they know each other. Um, And then they kind of just like, wish each other good luck and then they keep fighting. And then mm-hmm. I looked it up and it's like, it seems like these were all, it was like an inside joke where like those like five or six people that they ran into, um, like Jessica Hine, Martin Freeman. Um, and that gang is like, they were actors that played opposite them in other like movies and TV shows. So like, oh, interesting. Simon Pegg and Jessica Hine 
played they opposite were... each other on Spaced. Uh, yes, yeah. And then Lucy Davis and Martin Freeman played opposite each other on the British office or just, mm-hmm. I guess, the office. I shouldn't. <laughs> That's how American of me. The British office. <laughs> uh, they played Don and Tim, which I guess is Pam and Jim. Um, yeah. But like in Britain, it's Don and Tim. Oh, my God. Um, and then. Um, so weird. So weird. Oh, my gosh. So British. Um, and then Dylan Moran and Tamsin Gregg played opposite each other on uh the show uh black books they played bernard and, and fran and so yeah. it's kind of like interesting yeah a very like british sitcom in joke can we take a second to nerd out on yes. horror yeah okay, great um the so the like i mentioned before edgar wright is very much like a horror fan and so there's like all these great quotes to like other horror movies in this movie um, that I would highly suggest people seeing specifically um, George Romero's sort of of dead trilogy, which is night of the living dead, dawn of the dead and day of the dead. Um, They're groundbreaking. Like they basically, if you watch walking dead, if you know anything about walking dead or like what the modern zombie is, it's because of George Romero and what he's established in the movies. Um, Night of the living dead is like, my favorite horror movie, probably my favorite movie of all time. Does it hold um, up? Like if we if you watched it with fresh eyes, like if I watched it now, hundred percent, hundred percent, yeah. Like some some would say even more so, considering our current political climate. Um, you know, this is a movie that came out in 1968 that starred a black man telling a bunch of white people what to do. You know, um, which was according to George Romero, incidental at the time. You know. The actor just gave the best performance, but, uh, you know, the movie came out several months after Martin Luther King Jr. was assassinated. Yeah. Um, so it, it was a hot topic, a hot button issue, you know, at the time. And, um, yeah, I mean, the movie is incredible. It's a very low budget movie locally produced in Pittsburgh. So, you know, going into it, you know, like the acting is, I think is good, but it's, it's a low budget movie, but it feels truly unsettling even to this day the way that it's been filmed and um yeah can't oh recommend God. it enough and then dawn of the dead which is like the direct influence for this film um kind of like skirts the line a little bit you know where it's a little more comedic in the portrayal of the zombies and and some of the scenarios that they get in um but still just as gruesome probably more it's even more gruesome like over the top um, but one thing that the Dawn of the Dead does that this film really taps into, and I think, you know, kind of taps into our discussion even before is like the monotony of human existence mm-hmm. <laughs> and how, what is the difference between, you know, the human and the zombie, right? Um, yeah. because in the film it's takes, taking place primarily around uh, a shopping mall. And all these zombies are showing up into the shopping mall is like, and walking around the shopping mall and the parallels it makes between that and just like humans walking around the shopping mall is, I mean, they make it pretty blatant. Like, um, so you see that even in the opening of the, of Shaun of the dead where, you know, people are mindlessly riding the bus or waiting for the bus or going to the grocery store, or just walking down the street. Yeah. Everyone already looks like a zombie. So 
people turning into zombies, you wouldn't even notice uh, until they until they're biting you on the neck. You know, I think that's the ultimate fear of the zombie genre is like you're being killed by your neighbor yeah. for no reason whatsoever. Um, and they're eating you, which is the ultimate human taboo next to like incest or something. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. (laughs) It's interesting. No, it's interesting because like we saw, it was like similar in warm bodies as well. The other zombie rom-com we watched where it was like, they do this cut between, um, like zombies at an airport standing around and then they cut to the past where it's before the zombie apocalypse, people are just staring at their phones disconnected also like zombies. Um, and so it's like, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. I mean, that's, that's, what's uh, fun about horror or horror that's well done is that I feel like it can, it can comment on society, um, and have deeper, um, have like a, a deeper message to it. Um, Mm. And it's funny how now now that has become almost the cliche or trope in horror film in like the zombie yeah. genre, you know. But when it's done well, I think it, especially in Shaun of the Dead, Dawn of the Dead, like it really resonates, you know, and um, you know, does it in a way that's not like obvious or patronizing or just kind of like look at you stupid humans and like rubbing it in in, in the audience's face. Yeah. Um, yeah, I love it. Oh, oh my god, I can't wait to watch those now because I'm preparing for the spooky season, and that sounds perfect. Well, now that we've discussed that uh, horror trope a little Ooh. bit, um, shall we get into discussing rom com yes. tropes? Yes. Okay. Cool. I'll count them up. Um, you know, I actually found a fair amount of rom com tropes in this movie. Um, so I'll kick us off. I had a hot mess best friend ed um so yeah usually they're sort of like a slacker like oversexed best friend but this is he's just more he's just more of a hot mess um i had friends obsessed with love life i thought um david and liz's other roommate were like Mm -hmm. everyone was like pretty involved in her love life um Mm -hmm. i had um Oh, I had like the big breakup, which sort of happens in Forgetting Sarah Marshall and when Harry met Sally, sort of just like um, like a, a large breakup that happens. Oh, we have a dead parent, um, which happens in the mm-hmm. rom-coms. Um, Interesting. Yes. Okay. Um, I had, okay, I don't know if this is like specifically for rom-coms, but I think the friend who's like actually in love with you, who's like sort of like a villain. Um, I don't know. What do you guys think? Is that rom-com or is that just Bill? There's, Yeah. There's that one trope of like friend who's like secretly in love with you, um, who's like in the wings kind yeah. of a thing. Like yeah. I'm thinking, uh, although like in this movie, it was more like he was more like David was more like of a negative kind of guy. But I'm thinking about like 13 going on yeah. 30 is all about like Mark Ruffalo's waiting in the wings, hoping that, you know, yeah, he'll get it. Uh, Jennifer Garner will notice yeah. him and his yeah. razzles. Or like, or like- or even like, like Ducky, yes, or um, yes, in the, in yeah, the even like yeah, in like right. the OG yes. rom and I'm thinking of like in terms of sort of like fringe mod, like fringe sort of like when there was like mass production of rom coms. Um, uh, what's what's Jim Halpert's actor's name? Oh, Krasinski, John, John, Krasinski. John Krasinski and something borrowed plays like the saddest version of in the <gasps> oh. wings guy. 
who just it's like he's just there and then he like shoots a shot and then like nothing ever happens for him it's just like kind of a bummer um so um yeah like i, yeah. I like that character um and then i also had dave is good on paper guy because he seems to like care about the stuff that Liz cares about um yeah i had that good on paper guy. Oh, that's yeah. good oh our favorite trip which is the that's guy funny. that you should be with, but you just, this is not happening. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. he's like an intellectual pacifist who has a real job. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, like wants to take you out to nice dinner. Um, and then I had that the couple is, the main couple is straight and the main couple is white. So that is, uh, those are the ones I have. Yeah. That's pretty good. I had, I think I have two more, maybe three. So I have a breaking out into a dance oh, sequence, yes. um, but it's them with <laughs> pool cues. Um, uh-huh. And it's, you know, I'm using dance sequence pretty liberally here. You could say it's a fight sequence, but I don't know, like the way that they shoot it, it's like they're doing this kind of like um, almost like 360 thing where they're like circling them as, or, as they like circle the zombie and they're like hitting the pool cues and creating a fun rhythm to that queen song. Um, and then I have the grand gesture, um, where, um, the grand gesture is, uh, I had it that they, um, kill themselves where he's like, okay, my grand gesture is like, is that, well, when when he offers to distract the zombies. Yeah. Yeah. Where he, he, Yes, yes, that's okay, good. Yeah, where he like goes and um, like runs off into the crowd of zombies. Um, yeah, I mean, I think even just the, the premise of the film of like him going to save her is a I, grand gesture as well. I totally agree. Yeah, yeah, that maybe like the majority of the film is uh, the grand gesture of him trying to save her and her flatmates. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, I love that. Um, and then uh, I have, this is, I don't know if this is like a trope trope, um, but it's, I wrote it down as, in my notes, the Judd Apatow trope mm-hmm. where slacker male lead dumped by girlfriend who wants him to grow yes. up. Yeah. Absolutely. That's, so sure. that's, that's in a lot of them. Uh, mm-hmm. Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Um, kind of the big sick. Um, yeah. uh, and yeah, those were all the ones I had. Yeah, I have, I have yes, a couple. Oh, yes, I I just two. No, um, the uh, post drunk commis like post breakup drunk commiseration yes. with best oh friend. God, yes. I feel like it's yes. very like let's just you know wash that man right out of your hair, kind of meeting you have where you're like i'm gonna go out i'm gonna get drunk and i'm gonna like forget all about her kind of thing yes um they had that at the bar and they kind of get over it and then they wake up in zombies and uh this is like very small but flowers i feel like it's a very i I don't know if it's like a heterosexual thing or like you know but i feel like giving someone a bunch of flowers and i i love how he kind of um turns that on its head a little bit where it's like I was getting this for you know my mom but I'm going to give it to you kind yeah. of thing and I think too you brought up like the the friends that are super invested but I always do feel like there's like a you know a background couple or like some other yeah. couple that like like that that sort of provides some kind of like 
you know, foil for the for the main love interest. And I think David and um, uh, is it Diane? Diane do that, yes, pretty well here. Because so, theirs is just as dysfunctional, you know, it's just as weird and terrible. Yeah. That brings us to fourteen drugs, which is like quite a bit for uh, for anyone out there yeah. who's saying this isn't a rom com, this is a horror com. Well, fourteen tropes say differently. Okay, well, so I think it's time to rate this horror rom-com. So we here at PSI Love Rom-Coms have an ever-changing list of top five rom-coms. The list started off with the top five highest grossing rom-coms, but over the last couple of months, as we've watched more and more films, we voted in and voted off many a rom-com. And as of now, here are our top five rom-coms. We have Notting Hill. When Harry Met Sally, Love and Basketball, Dirty Dancing, and My Big Fat Greek Wedding. So now if we choose today, we can put Shaun of the Dead on that list, but we'll all have unanimously agree to vote off one of those other top five to replace it with. So what do we think? Do we think that Shaun of the Dead deserves a spot on the top five list? And if so... Who should it knock off? I love this movie. I love horror comedies, especially. I don't think it should be on the list. Mm. And here's why. I think it lacks in the ROM. Yeah. I think for the yes. com and the ROM, top-notch scores. But if you're talking about romantic comedies and compared to like those others, which are very traditional and classic and good in their own right, I think this... For a romantic comedy top five, I don't think it cuts the mustard. I love the movie. And I think for, for the for the purposes of the show and the list, it it deserves a spot necessarily. I yeah. agree. I think it's all agreed that it doesn't make the top five rom com list, but we can definitely put it on our horror rom-com list. And just out of curiosity, just because I love a good debate and I love to ruffle feathers. Um, so far, our other two movies on the top five best horror rom-coms list is So I Married an Axe Murderer and Warm Bodies. Um, where would we put Shaun of the Dead on that list? Would we put it as... Above those two, below those two, where would we fit it into the horror rom com list? Well, we know where Mia stands. <laughs> I was going to say, we know what my vote is. Um, so, uh, first, as we already know, but Summer and Axe Murder is obviously like the perfect combination of all of the genres it represents. Um, it's a unique film that makes me inspired. Um, and obviously, I'm biased. I love it as a child, love it like as an adult. And uh, so, I think it should go Summer and Murder, Shot of the Dead, then Warm Bodies. But uh, you two can absolutely outvote me. And it's okay because I've already put it on my top five list. So I won't be offended. I think I would put Shaun of the Dead first. So I married an ex murder, Warm Bodies. Yeah, I would maybe argue that. I think that Shaun of the Dead has better comedy than So I Married an Axe Murder. Oh, Sorry, Mia. Disagree. But um, <laughs> I, I think Shaun of the Dead has better setups and payoffs. It has really great physical comedy versus like, I think So I Married an Axe Murder heavily relies on character comedy. Mm -hmm. um, and I think Shaun of the Dead has 
character comedy with the character of Ed. I think Shaun of the Dead has better comedy than So I Married an Axe Murder, but obviously I think So I Married an Axe Murder has better rom um, uh, than Shaun of the Dead. So hmm, <laughs> I would probably list it So I Married an Axe Murder, Shaun <gasps> of the Dead, Warm really? Bodies. All right. Oh, wow. oh Mia! Yeah, just because it, I think it's a. I just, oh my gosh, I just won oh Mia over. I think, but just because it's a better split of the three, but I definitely think that Shaun of the Dead um, has better. Its calm is so strong that it. I think it deserves a spot above warm bodies. Um, but that that's my rating. Do you, now, do you guys have uh, very many diverging opinions? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which is why I was surprised, I think. Especially when it's like one of us sort of like goes hard. I mean, it's like interesting. It's like either like Allie and I have different opinions or it's Allie and me against the world. You know, where it's like the world yeah. doesn't like a movie and mm. we're like, how dare you and then sometimes we agree on like the classics but it's like yeah as we get in these sort of like um genre bending or like into sort of like the like i don't know like more modern like types of rom-coms then i feel like we diverge on something Mm -hmm. yeah has there been one that has threatened to tear you apart like what's the worst one that's that you've had oh well there's we 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 filmed a pilot that never got released or sorry we recorded a pilot that never got released where we really disagreed on the rom-com iq um yeah, <laughs> which is uh, what? Wait, the Albert Einstein? <laughs> yeah. Yes, the Albert Einstein rom com. Uh, where do you wow. wait? That was your. What? That was your. Well, I'm just. That was your no, first choice. No, we we no, no, absolutely not. <laughs> I just, I just, I just liked it. I thought it was really funny and weird. <laughs> and um, Mia. You know, maybe didn't ap- appreciate <laughs> some of the- <laughs> didn't appreciate some of the quirky humor and mm-hmm. you know bending of history no, um, to serve the the cop. Oh, also, also, no, we did that was not our first choice. We initially were going to do um, a March Magnus with Meg Ryan film, so we pit- we pinned it against or yeah, we put it up against Sleepless in Seattle. Yeah, so as like a bracket. Gotcha. So we start gotcha. a strong one and a weak one. March Magnus. Yeah, that's which we'll, funny. We'll, we'll try to come yeah. back around to this March. We'll see. There are just some movies that like are our ride or dies yeah. where like I love Say Anything yeah. and Mia loves 27 Dresses. And I think like we are we're both a little bit like, you know, oh, that's an interesting, <laughs> you know, we respectfully appreciate the other's films so, that they love. But, so you know, we do our, not like each other's so. <laughs> yeah, so you go in your journal and you're cursing them. Yeah. Um, but, but you know, but we come together a lot. And wow, I cannot believe it happened here today for one of my, my one of my writer dies, which is so I married an ex writer. Oh my God. What a delightful surprise. Uh, so after that, after that dose of reality that I was not prepared for, I think it's time for our final segment, Reality Check. In this segment, we test out the tropes and plot devices in the rom-com we just watched and see if they hold up in the real world. In Shaun of the Dead, we see the trope of the best friend in the wings who's secretly in love with you, but you never see it. We see this with Liz's flatmate, David, the pacifist. Have any of us ever been a best friend in the wings or had a best in the wings? I have been the best friend (laughs) in the wings, but purely my own fault. You know, like just purely unrequited kind of... 
you know, uh, infatuation. Sure. And, and I think that's probably re- relatively common, but, you know, I definitely have had those when I was in college, you know, being in like desperate love with some uh, girl and she ended up dating like three of my friends. Oh, no. <laughs> and, and I was just like, Ugh. but I, you know, never once said anything to her or like made it obvious or like tried to like be like, hey, I like you. Let's go out sometime, you know, because I was 21 years old or 20 years old and, you know, full of self hatred. <laughs> as, as, so, as we are, as we, as we do. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I've been both where I've been the best friend in the wings and I've, I've had best friends in the wings. And, but here's the thing is when I'm the best friend in the wings, I'm, I mean, Mia knows this. <laughs> I, I have trouble um, keeping my feelings to myself, which is, you know, is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? I don't, I don't know, but I've sat in the wings for a little bit and then I've asked those people out that are my, really, really close friends. But you know, here, here is the thing after you date your friend, there is the consequence that afterwards your friendship has been forever changed. And sometimes, um, uh, you know, ends or yes, yes, yes. And so that's, you know, obviously the risk. Um, and so it's, it's a challenge. It's a real challenge. I applaud you for making the jump because that is a very scary thing. You know, when you, if you're very close with someone and then you start to catch feelings for them and put that out there, you know, that is the risk of being like, they say yes, but then it doesn't go well. Or they just say no, which sucks to be rejected. But, you know, at least you put yourself in that position, which I think is admirable. Thank you. I totally agree. I've also, I've been the best friend in the wings. I've had the best friend in the wings. And I think based on what you guys have said and thinking back on all these experiences, I'm like all the best friends in the wings should just shoot their shots because like yeah. when I yes. have like a lot, like when I've had best friends in the wings shoot their shots way later, I feel like kind of betrayed sometimes. And then when I've been the best friends in the wings and I never shot my shot, I regretted it. And I was like, oh, great. Now I'll never know. Yeah. I'll, yeah. I'll never know. And it's like those, I guess, I'm not, I'm not saying those aren't like real friendships because like they, like at the, you know, maybe they serve a purpose or if it's like a friend you just sort of have a like crush on. But like at the end of the mm-hmm. day, I think get it all out on the table. Let's get it on yes. the table. Always shoot yes. your shot. And then we know. What, what is this life if we're yes. not? Yeah, I've done both. I think that, and I think it's really normal to be the best friend in the wings or to have it. I think that's just like normal and like what humans yeah. do. Because also mm-hmm. timing is everything. So And also like sometimes that works out. Like I was friends with my boyfriend for like years before we got together just because we were yeah. like, it just the timing was off. And then we were friends. And then it was like the timing got correct and was like, oh, dope. So I don't know what I'm saying, but yeah, I mean, eventually we shot our shot. No, I agree with you, Mia. I think, you know, we've been talking about death and, and, um, you know, how, how we want to live. And it's like, life is too short. Who knows? We're living in some kind of weird disease apocalypse now. Who knows when a zombie apocalypse is coming? Shoot our shot. I mean, like, that's kind of what, like... Because he, here's the thing. In the movie, David didn't shoot yes. his shot. And he kind of ruined... Yeah, ripped it in half. 
he got ripped in half. It literally destroyed him. No, but like he made his, he, you know, it was unfair for Diane. It was unfair yeah. for Liz. Like it was, it made everything kind of complicated. And Sean. it's like, yeah, mm-hmm. he almost shot Sean's yeah. mom because of it. Like almost shot Sean too. Almost shot Sean. Like shoot your yeah. shot. Can I take a moment? I want to shoot my <gasps> shot right now. Which one of us? To the audience yeah. out there in the world who's listening to this, look, I've been single for a while. I'm shooting my shot to anyone who wants. Specifically, though, if you can get me a job, uh, I'm really smart and I'm really funny. And I'm like very, very nice and easy to work with. Um, I'm a great writer. I'm finally comfortable with saying that yes. about myself and saying it out loud into the world. Yes. So. Hit me up, you know, hit me up on the email or find me on LinkedIn. You know, I'm, I'm shooting my Link shot right now. So. Email Luke Field. Get Oops. this amazing writer a job. Yes, uh, Luke shooting his shot. Wow, wow, wow. Well, thank you, Luke, so much for joining us thank today. You for me. Thank, oh. light. <laughs> thank you for shooting your shot here on PS I Love Rom-Coms. We love it. Now, do you have any social media things to promote or important romance advice for our listeners? Great, great. So the romance, obviously, you must shoot your shot. Um, <laughs> I think I've promoted myself quite well already. <laughs> uh, and I cannot be serious enough about it. It's the time for me is now. So you have to get on the email and start emailing me. Um, you can follow me on Instagram at Luke Robot one the number one um i sporadically make tiktoks now because i'm young and cool and fresh Um, (gasps) my tiktok handle is luke robot i had one tiktok kind of go pretty big so get ready um (laughs) crazy fucking ridiculous thing to brag about um and i work at the hollywood food coalition in uh, Hollywood, California. If you live in the Hollywood area, it's located on Hollywood Boulevard at the Salvation Army. You can go to hofoco, H-O-F-O-C-O dot org. We're always looking for volunteers uh, to come in. What we do is we serve a hot meal to the homeless and unhoused in LA, even just the low income and poor of LA. Um, every day, uh, we serve about 250 to 300 meals a day. And wow. um, it has been, in, that number has been drastically high uh, since the start of COVID and the quarantine because people are out of work and low income people out of work. This is sometimes the only meal they get a day. Um, I work on Mondays, Tuesdays, and Saturdays. So if you want to volunteer and come hang out with me, uh, you're welcome to do that. And uh, it's a really great organization. The people there are super nice. Um, It is safe. You know, we take a lot of COVID precautions. So get out there and help your local community. I think the thing that has helped me so much during all of this is to think locally and think about the impact that I can have on my, just my neighborhood, because thinking nationally at this point is, um, uh, will make you not get out of bed some days. Um, mm. so you can have an impact at the low, at the local level. So get out there and do it. Show some love to your fellow human. 
Oh, Luke, that's amazing. Thank you so much for sharing that. That's so awesome. You're welcome. Um, Thank you so much for sharing. And thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you all for listening to the podcast. We have a new episode out every week. And remember to subscribe and rate. And we are brought to you by the lovely people at Campfire Media. And P.S. I love rom-coms. I love rom-coms. I kind of love rom-coms. Hi, I'm Michelle Veray. And I'm Kimberly Trung, and we are the host of Crush Fictionally, a podcast all about your favorite fictional characters from movies, TV shows, and more. Each episode, we pick a theme, curate a list of characters that we love, why we love them, and some fun facts about the people who created them. So if you've ever felt a true connection with a fictional character, tune in to Crush Fictionally on Campfire Media or wherever you find your podcast. Campfire.